Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Val Mars. We're going to talk about the Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. We're doing this the afternoon before the actual 20th anniversary of his passing at Daytona. Val probably remembers where he was. I remember where I was when I heard that. It was devastating news. I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan. I think Val is. But uh, we had a NASCAR magazine, and I was tracking, went to some of the races, and tried to get up to speed, so to speak. Anyway, first, thanks sponsors, Top Spinning and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, as well as ComC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Creating, Beckett Authentication. Welcome, Val Mars, host of and founder of NASCAR Radio. Enjoyed your podcast, but I hope we can have a, a conversation really giving a tribute to uh, one of the greats. I, at the time of his passing, I think he was the number one driver. So welcome, Val. Thank you, Dr. Beckett. But yeah, 20 years have, have gone by really quick. I remember where I was. I was watching the race with my wife and he was in third place blocking Michael Waltrip and Dale Earnhardt Jr., which was funny because Dale Earnhardt was running for Richard Childress Racing, but Michael Waltrip and Dale Earnhardt Jr. were his cars, his DEI. He's blocking everybody else from getting there and he sees Michael Waltrip coming to the finish line and his son and uh, have that uh, accident. I was watching it, and I guess we had turned it off, and we saw the accident, but it didn't look that bad. They all look bad. It's just that you get used to drivers walking away, and I think that after his death, they made some improvements to the uh, structure of the cars, but we're used to seeing these horrific accidents, and and, uh, and drivers walking away. But you're right. I guess if you watch that and watch racing a lot, you'll see the accidents. Usually when we have a fatality, just the year before, in 2000, we had lost Adam Petty, who was a tremendous talent, and uh, Kenny Irwin, another talent, young rookies lost their lives. And that led to some innovations as well. Anyway, I turned off the TV and then heard later on that he had passed away. And I was like, what? And, and to your point, yeah, he was a seven-time champion. He tied with Richard Petty at the time. He had the young buck, Jeff Gordon, the antagonist. And I guess that's what helped propel him and Jeff Gordon. There's a documentary about that. Why was Dale Earnhardt respected so much by the other drivers? Because he was a tough guy. He seemed crusty. Yeah, he was your everyday blue-collar worker. His dad, Ralph Earnhardt, here in this area in the South Charlotte and that area, there were a lot of mills back then. So you either worked for a mill and families worked for one company for generations or whatever, and he did not want to do that. He was going to race or try to do anything but work in the mill. He got his hands dirty with building cars, not like the drivers nowadays. So he had that blue collar type everyday man he was the intimidator on the track but away from the track he was a teddy bear if you got in that inner circle the guys talk about it and he had that personality that everybody liked because i hear stories where they a heated argument with somebody is they just couldn't stay mad at him he just had that personality my experience was back when we were getting started in 94 but before during and after we started our, our nascar magazine i really couldn't get to dale earnhardt I could get to his guys, to his agent and stuff like that. And, and so it made me think he's either a really mean guy or a really nice guy because he's got these gatekeepers. There's no players association in NASCAR. It's every driver, other teams with owners and all that, but it's not franchised in the same way that the other sports are. He, I think he was very business savvy and had a very good group of folks around him because in the early 90s, I think you remember cards were taken off and there were all kinds of bootlegs. And he was one of the first drivers to actually copyright his name, use that and trademark his name to fight these counterfeits. And he made quite a bit of money with merchandising and helped merchandising other drivers. And it just wasn't necessarily for him. And 
was special about him and Jeff Gordon is they would propel each other. If Dale Earnhardt was Coke, Jeff Gordon was Pepsi. He took them to another level, even though they might've seemed like they uh, hate each other on a track, but away from the track, it wasn't like that. And Jeff Gordon reflects later on about how that rivalry with Jeff Gordon propelled him. I've ridden around the track with a professional driver at 200 miles an hour and to be in the driver's seat is pretty amazing that you've got a guy that's so focused and with a nickname of the Intimidator, yet respected by his peers. When we were doing the price guides, he generally would be the most valuable guy in the set. Mostly, he had cards up until his death. Yeah, when it comes to cards, he's very collectible. And that 1988 Max was the first mass-produced set. There were a couple before that, but there, in that 88 Max set, everybody was collecting it and was, you know, was trying to get to the Dale Earnhardt. Yeah, yeah. But going back to the trademark and copyright, Max couldn't get permission for him. So they had printed a card, that number 99, and were not allowed to use it. So they didn't destroy them. They shelved them. But going back to the early cards, so it's usually him in in, or in the car or the car, the Wrangler car, the 82 Kidco Tough Wheels. You got a die cat, little matchbox car with some cards in it. And there's the Wrangler car in it. And then like the 83 Uno, uh, it's a little 30 card set. Yeah. And that's his rookie card or XRC, I guess you would say. What, what I've noticed with NASCAR, it's different than, than any other sport. And it definitely is a sport driving, but it's so mentally intense. That's what I have found <laughs> riding along on that fast when you're defying death. It's very intense and to do it weekend after weekend. But the card sets generally have not just the driver, but they have his car. And in many cases, they'll have crew members or other parts of the team that also get their cards. And so I know we're doing the price guides. The card of the driver was considered more valuable than the card of the car for that driver. But his car was very identifiable. Oh, yeah. That Wrangler car. And yeah, that 1986 Sportstar Photographics, it's actually a short print. It's a really tough card to find. They were put in Ziploc bags and sold as three cards or given away as an incentive to buy the placemats. But when 88 hit, that 88 Max, some of those promos got out, and I think they were going for crazy money. And back then, you had to you traded cards on a bulletin board or something like that. That was before my time. I was collecting. I didn't have access to that kind of the bulletin board. So the 88 Max, number 87, that has him and his team celebrating the 87 championship, and it was kind of considered his rookie for a long time. Uh, and then they came to terms, and then he had the first card with him, that close-up of his face in 89 Max. So in the 88 set, when you're talking about the cars, there's the, uh, one card with him or my, with the Wrangler car. And then there's another card, 54, that actually has the black, number yep. three. So everybody was trying for that. Actually, I had seen all these years have passed some documents where somebody was complaining that he owned the copyright to that three black car. But eventually in... 1994, they came to agreement with him and they like re-released that 1988. It was one per case, I think. Yeah. Uh, they uh, was a thousand and has a little sticker on it that's got the numbering on it. And it came with a little certificate of authenticity. Yeah, I got one of those from Don Hawk. Oh, okay. Dale's guy. It just seems to me you're aware of the, the greater sports card industry hobby has had such an amazing explosion in the last year, how much has Dale Earnhardt been wrapped up in that as being an iconic driver? Again, gone 20 years, but in his life and career, he was unbelievable. So have you seen any run-up? Because when Hank Aaron passed away, Dale Earnhardt 20 years ago, but have you seen any movement there? He's got a lot of cards, if you count all this stuff, but some of his better cards are really tough. Yeah, I have seen some price increases for 
the 1988 Max, that number 99. I think they were about 300, but now I think they're about a thousand graded PSA 10s when, when we're talking about pricing. The 83 Unos there are very rare. I think the last one I saw went for 700, but back when I was either buying or selling those, they were in the 300. 350 range for 10 and 150 for nine. How many people are you aware of that have a personal collection of Dale Earnhardt? Have you seen very many that are trying to be exhaustive or really going after the, the super tough autographs and things like that? Or is, is that usually, not caught on that much with racing? So usually those collectors have been pursuing him for some time. My buddy that I've met through collecting racing cards, Logan, he's been collecting since the beginning. But part of the problem is after... Dale Earnhardt Sr. passed. Teresa Earnhardt put the lock down on his likeness and allowing. So even press pass in those years, I could see that there was like a Hall of Fame set or something and one card's missing and it has to be Dale Earnhardt. Even Panini's been trying to get the licensing so that they can produce some stuff. And the guys tell me from Panini that, you know, her lawyers have it. It's just, she's not interested. So there's really no new stuff for him. They're pitching her or the family the wrong way because they surely don't need the money. But it's the way I'd look at it is it allows a full promotion of a, of a great sport. And so, for him not to be included, they could give his royalties to some other charity or something. But it's it's a real shame that, that the set wouldn't be inclusive because he belongs in any of those kinds of sets. I'd like to think that they would come to terms, but there's been so much, I want to say infighting. Dale Earnhardt Sr. had copyrighted and trademarked Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s name. So after Dale passed, Teresa had that. So that was a lot of fighting going on. We can't adjudicate that, but I think it's worthy of note that it's a stepmom situation. It's not the mother of the son. It's not something that I want to belabor other than life is complicated and my hope would be that everybody could uh, work things out. He was the intimidator. And so the people around him probably have some aspect of that in their own protection mechanisms. But again, highly collectible. And who's the modern day successor for? Even with Jimmy Johnson winning seven championships, tying Richard Petty and Dale Hart Sr., he doesn't get that kind of recognition. Dale Earnhardt Sr. had Jeff Gordon, and Jimmy Johnson really didn't have that. But Dale Earnhardt Sr. was very popular, and then all those fans went to Dale Earnhardt Jr., and I think after Jr. retired, they'd gone to Elliott. Can you explain to the listeners the the significance of Daytona? Because Daytona is almost like a Super Bowl, but it's at the beginning of the year. And it was so much on, on Dale's radar to win that race finally. And then here is the place where he has the fatal crash. Yeah, I get asked that a lot. And I've actually thought about it myself. And, and we talk about it on the podcast, the NASCAR radio podcast. But I, I think it has to do with, they used to race in Daytona on the beach, partly on the road and partly on the beach. And then they built Daytona Speedway. It's the first race of the season. The season runs until November. So everybody has November, December, January to basically bring their best equipment They've you know done their research. Basically, everybody's had all this time to prepare for it. It's in Daytona. It's just bragging rights for the year. And you want to win Daytona. That was one that Dale Earnhardt Sr. wanted to win very bad and had a bad luck or whatever to not be able to win off after all these years. So it was a big deal when he won. And there's images of him coming down pit road that everybody was out there and cheering him on. All these competitors were excited for him to win. To get his win. When he finally won the Daytona 500, yes. Yeah. And again, Val, you're more the aficionado than I am, but I know that 
each track can be pretty different. So for Dale Earnhardt to win seven overall championships, he had to win on different tracks of different, actually, shapes and sizes. They're not all exactly the same. They all are turning left. Yeah, there are a couple of road courses. We have maybe Bristol, which is a half mile, kind of imagine racing in a football stadium. It's small and, and there's seating all the way around it. So it's kind of like a, a you know fishbowl or whatever. Then you have mile tracks and then you have mile and a half and then all the way up to uh, two and a half for Talladega. And that uh, is a, a massive track. Some of these larger tracks, they put restrictor plates to, to stop cars from going over basically 200 miles an hour because if they had an accident and the wind can get underneath it, they would fly up and go into the catch fence. With innovations now with roof flaps and some other stuff, it's just amazing the technology over the years that has been inspired by racing, like I said, with the roof flaps to keep them cars down on the track. Let's end on that positive note, because basically when something happens, it's bad. You always hope some good will come out of it. It drew attention to NASCAR. I think some safety modifications were done with probably the biggest star passes away in action. They've implemented now full face masks. He had an open face kind of mask. And now the Hans device where their drivers are kind of tethered to the back of the seat. It gives a little instead of them having some kind of restraint for their head. Yes. A lot of innovations now. Thanks, Val. Thanks, collectors. Again, when everybody's looking at what's next, why not NASCAR? NASCAR has got some amazing drivers. They have a legacy as well as the current products. We encourage you to look at them. Again, we're sad for the loss of Dale Earnhardt. He wasn't the intimidator for nothing. And to be cheered on, as Val said, by your opponents is the ultimate measure of respect. It's possible that some people look at the iconic sports figures of the 20th century and discover that in the highest rank of NASCAR is Dale Earnhardt. And when the people are paying huge bucks for soccer stars, why wouldn't they pay huge bucks for Dale Earnhardt? His best cards, his inserts, his parallels, not just the rookies, his better, tougher cards. They're really tough to find. They made a lot less NASCAR cards than they did baseball and football. You have a good point. Thanks, Val Mars. Listeners, check out NASCAR Radio. Thanks, Val, for being with us. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house of cards.